Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. This is week nine of the, of the longest term of the year. And I know you want it to continue to for forever. Sorry, it's over in two weeks. All the time. Um, it's our privilege this evening to have Dr. Matson as the preacher of the evening. He is going to help us uh, appreciate the God we serve, uh, the God who makes it possible for us to be transformed into Christ-likeness. I want us to start with a song. Um, it, I think you know it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. How great and awesome and wonderful you are, God. We praise you tonight. We just bask in your presence. Come upon us, we pray, in even a more special way. We feel you so close. We know that your presence is here. You are a great, awesome, wonderful God. May we just continue in, the, in a spirit of praise to you as we consider how great, how great is our God. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled tonight that, uh, that I had a cheering section, at least at the beginning of the service. When, when these four came in down here and sat in this second row, they're, they're all in the counseling cohort in which I teach, and I said, oh dear. I have a panel of judges tonight. And then Dr. Lambright comes in and sits on the very first row, and I just know I don't have a chance. So I, I do appreciate the, the cheer that went up when... Uh, but, it, you know, it's not always like that. There are some crowds that appreciate you. There are some that don't. Uh, I was reminded when, when there was applause, when it was announced that I would speak, that not long ago, in fact, it was, it was right at Christmas time, the pastor, our pastor at Eastboro was sick. He eventually had to have surgery. He's recovered quite nicely. He's on a cruise ship tonight, somewhere between here and Panama. But uh, pastor, pastor Woodworth uh, had some very extreme uh, abdominal pain, was in the hospital for a period of time. And uh, so the Sunday, I believe it was the Sunday after Christmas and the Sunday after that, that I was asked to preach uh, at Eastboro. And Sunday morning, or, East, or Christmas Sunday morning, the Sunday after Christmas, my whole family was there. Uh, my wife, my four children, my two in-laws, my two grandchildren, they were all there. And they were sitting over on this side of the auditorium. After the service, all of the teenagers at Eastboro sit kind of over in here, and after the service, one of the, one of the young men who's kind of an exuberant, go get him excited sort of guy, walked over, and he was just, you know, being friendly, greeting people and so forth, and he walked up to my family and he said, uh, I don't believe I've ever met you. It's good to have you in service today. And my youngest daughter said, well, thank you. We're glad to be here. We're Dr. Matson's children and grandchildren. And he apparently, well, I hope he didn't hear that, 
Because the next words out of his mouth were, well, we understand that you're just visiting today. I hope you can come back again later because you see it wasn't quite as good as usual because our pastor was gone today. You know, so the crowd is not always with you when you speak. And I, I think it's important, too, to just kind of use that as a little lesson. This is not where I'm going with the message, but uh, use that as a little lesson. Never take yourself too seriously. You know, just kind of roll with it. My, my, my kids had a ball. They just, you know, the rest of the time they were home, they kept reminding me of that. <laughs> well, that's not quite true, but. I've been thinking in recent days about this term. And I understand that uh, this is not an easy term. As Chaplain Lake just mentioned, this is the longest seemingly term because of the way the break falls. And then there's this long January, February stretch when all the snow we could have ever wanted has this year come to Colorado Springs. And about, well, about actually the 1st of February, we all get mighty tired. And we get ready to just cash it in. I had a student in my office this very day who was just having a struggle with life. And I was able to talk with him a bit, and we prayed. And I know that that's just sort of the way it is. And so as I have thought about this service and what I would say to you, I have been reminded of the 40th chapter of Isaiah. And I want you to turn with me to that passage. And I'm going to start reading with verse 39. And, and I want you to keep your Bibles open. And there should be a Bible somewhere close in front of you if you don't have one. And uh, just follow along as I'm talking, as I'm trying to open God's Word tonight to us. I actually want to read, as we go through the message, all of the chapter except the first eight verses. Really, actually, the first eight and three-fourths verses. Because I want to start reading with the very last sentence of the ninth verse that says, Here is your God. And I think that the, the songs tonight have just led us so beautifully to this moment. And, and the, 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 the video that was up with the, the graphic of the world, the space, I want us to remember that this God is a great and mighty God. And the writer Isaiah says, beginning in the 10th verse, See, your Lord, the sovereign Lord, comes with power, and his arm rules for him. We're talking about a mighty God. Amen. We just sang about that mighty God, and Isaiah says... Here is your God. He is a mighty God. He, his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him. And his recompense accompanies him. And then it's as if he changes immediately and he says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. 
He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. And in those two verses, Isaiah sets such a, a, a strong contrast, a strong comparison, and he says to us, this is your God. Behold your God. He is a mighty God, but he is also the God who gently enfolds us in his arms. He is the God who is with us. He is the God who has come to live in our world. But even better than that, he now comes to reside in the power of his Holy Spirit in our very lives. Isaiah goes on. Now he goes back somewhat to the, to the strength and the awesomeness and the power of this almighty God. And he says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or, or weighed mountains on a scale and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord? Who instructed him as his counselor? You know, I, I doubt seriously that even Dr. Lambright would volunteer for that job. Who has instructed him as his counselor? Who did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? And then look at verse 15. You and I watch the news or listen to the news. Or if we're like a lot of people in our day, we don't pay any attention to the news because we just don't want to be bothered with how bad it really is. And Isaiah says, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. When we get all bent out of shape about who's in power or not in power in the White House or in Congress or in our state or who's going to propose this legislation or that legislation or who may have the nuclear bomb next or how the other nations will respond to that we need to be reminded that this almighty God that we just sang about before him all the nations are like dust you see God has not lost control let me remind you of that. You and I may not understand exactly why and how things happen and occur as they do, but one thing we must hold on to, need to hold on to, is that God is still in charge. He's not lost control. He, quite frankly, knows who's in the White House now and who's going to be in next or not in next. I remember a, a 
this has been some time ago, and I'll take it out of the current president because it, I don't want to make political statements about now. <laughs> a, a few years ago, my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, moved to uh, Washington, D.C. She was, and still is, single. And so dad was chosen to drive the U-Haul truck. She drove from Wisconsin to D.C. a few days ahead of me, and I came into Washington, D.C. on a very momentous day. I listened to the radio all day long across Ohio, Pennsylvania, Maryland, into D.C., and I arrived in Washington, D.C. on the very day that Bill Clinton was first elected President of the United States. I had evangelical Christian friends who believed somehow that some way God had lost control by allowing that to happen. Now, I'll have to admit, I had other Christian friends who were on the other side of the political spectrum who thought God had finally regained control. But the words of Isaiah say, doesn't matter. God is in charge. Verse 18, to whom then, to whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As, as for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. Or a man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Now listen to this description of this great God we just sang about. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the canopy, excuse me, he stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught. He reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. God is in control. And here Isaiah has talked about the princes, the rulers, the nations. But then it's almost as if he repeats himself as he is talking about this greatness of God and he says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look at the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each of them by name? And that was even before the International Star Registry. You know, one of the disadvantages of living in a city like we live in 
we don't have enough time and we, we, to, to get out of the city to see this expanse of the heavens that Isaiah is talking about. A few weeks ago, I was asked if, well, actually, I wasn't asked. I, I got a phone call a few weeks ago saying, uh, this is a pastor from Goodland, Kansas. Do you have anybody down there that would come up to Goodland and preach on a Sunday? And I said, here am I send me. And so a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, Sharon and I left here on a Saturday afternoon and drove up to Goodland, Kansas, and we had a great time with the, with the church up there. But Saturday night as we were driving up, we just got outside of Burlington. And, and all of a sudden, I looked ahead of me on I-70, and there was this huge, bright, orange crescent. It was a full moon that appeared to be about that high above the horizon. It was gorgeous. I, I looked over and Sharon was asleep and I woke her up and said, Sharon, look at the full moon. And she said, yeah. <clears throat> and went back to sleep. I mean, it really impressed her. But I watched as that moon rose and filled the evening sky and I delighted in listening to some music on the radio and viewing the heavens <clears throat> and I thought of this great God I would encourage you if you are down because it's the ninth week of the 11th just drive out to the edge of town sometime when there's no clouds. And think about that God who put it all in place because, <clears throat> look at the next verses. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? <clears throat> my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, on the ninth week, of the winter trimester and you're struggling to get that exegetical paper finished or you're struggling to put together that research paper for English Comp 2 or you're struggling to understand music theory or whatever oh I struck a chord there didn't I uh, no pun intended did you hear that struck a chord there whoa <clears throat> In the midst of what you are going through, and I know a number of you have even in the midst of all this been sick. Have you ever said, <clears throat> my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded. And we're prone to say, God, are you really, are you really up there? Is it really true <clears throat> that you knew about this syllabus before I enrolled in this class? And Isaiah says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. 
and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and power increases the power of the weak. And then a verse that's becoming more and more one of my favorites. The older I get, the more I like this verse. <clears throat> Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But. And okay, I'm going to leave the NIV and quote it the way I memorized it. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint, even in the ninth week of the longest trimester of the year. Amen. They will mount up with wings like eagles. For 26 years, I lived in the state of Wisconsin. For 15 of those years, I, I traveled all over that state, putting 50 to 65,000 miles on a car in a single year. Wisconsin has some very beautiful, beautiful scenery and has some wonderful, wonderful, beautiful bald eagles. I remember one... Uh, one day sitting out on a stand waiting for a deer to walk in front of my bullet. And one did that day, but that's not this story. Uh, <clears throat> and, and off to my right and slightly behind me was a, was a very tall tree and an eagle's nest on top of that. Kind of in a platform. And while I was sitting there about to doze off, quite frankly, an eagle came into that nest with a screech. Woke me up. Beautiful scene. I remember another day, uh, it was in the wintertime, and I was driving to Superior, Wisconsin, which is clear up in the northern part of the state, right on Lake Superior. And I was making uh, the trek up there because we had a church that was having some problems, and I was trying to meet with them to try to resolve some issues. And as I, I drove, I got off of the interstate and had to head up uh, US Highway 53, four lane was just like the interstate, and then it began to snow. Not a bad snow, just a nice, slowly, gently falling snow. And uh, then the four lane became two lane and the snow became a bit thicker and deeper. It still wasn't dangerous. I was enjoying the day. I was enjoying the scenery. I was enjoying the snowfall. I know I'm weird. I like to drive in snow. And suddenly I came over the crest of a hill, and as I started down a hill, I, I saw a roadkill deer off to the side of the road, right on the shoulder, and I saw an eagle sitting on that deer, feeding on that dead deer. And as, as quickly as was safely possible, I, I pulled my car to a stop just oh, maybe 100 feet beyond the deer. <clears throat> and then as I looked over my shoulder and looked back at that 
beautiful, huge bird feeding on that deer. I put my car in reverse and began to back closer and closer and closer until I reached the point that I was just a few feet away and I was so close that the deer, excuse me, the deer wasn't going anywhere, the, <clears throat> the eagle, the eagle decided that I was just a bit too close for its comfort and it tried to take off and it was full with extra weight having gorged itself on the flesh of that animal. And if it's possible, as it tried to take off from that deer, it decreased in altitude, which is kind of tough to do off of, you know. <laughs> and it flapped its wings furiously. And, and I thought to myself of all of the times that I had stopped and looked up into the heavens and seen deer... Or, <laughs> Okay, Laurel, quit talking about the deer, all right? You see why that kid went to my family and said it's not as good as... Okay, I thought about all the times I had seen the eagles soaring and how beautiful they were. And now I watched as this lone eagle tried to get airborne. And it crossed through that valley and was trying to climb before it got to the next hill. And it was still only six or seven feet off the ground. But as it went up that hill, it gained altitude. And I sat there and watched as the altitude was gained and the wings quit beating so furiously. And I sat there and watched as that beautiful beautiful bird begin to soar upwards and upwards with little effort. And I thought to myself, <clears throat> Laurel, you're going to visit with a church that's in trouble. They need to rise up with wings as eagles. And I think to myself tonight, we're in the ninth week of the longest trimester of the year. There are some of you who are struggling mightily to gain altitude. There are some of you who are struggling mighty, mightily to gain attitude. There are some of you who are just plain struggling. And I want to say to you tonight, here is your God. Have you not heard have you not seen our God, this powerful God, is like a shepherd? And I just kind of think that in closing tonight, maybe some of you would like to just lean back on Jesus and let him say, peace. If you want to do it where you sit or where we stand in a moment, or if you want to come up to the altar, that's fine. Chaplain Lag's going to come and lead us in the song. But if you need to just get alone with God and let him raise you up so that you can begin to soar again, I would invite you to take these moments to pray while we sing, and then I'll close in prayer. Shall we stand?